Hi, my name is Raman and I'm the Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder of Mintalk. saw that happens in the race for domination between startups and legacy businesses. In the fintech space, just a year back, everyone had written off the legacy players like the large Indian banks as dinosaurs, and the future belonged to the fintechs. But legacy banks are far from extinct and continue to thrive. That is because in the financial sector, the trust and relationships built by legacy brands are hard to displace with just an app with a slick user interface. Mintalk is a fintech startup that is doing the exact opposite of what most fintechs are doing. They are arming the legacy banks to compete with agile fintechs by arming them with agile engagement platform for their business customers. In this freewheeling conversation, Raman Khanduja, the founder of Mintalk, shares his anti-disruption thesis that has helped him to build Mintalk into one of India's largest payment processors. Stay tuned for this amazing conversation and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app to get insights from some of India's most incredible founders. So, uh, Raman, you have that perfect uh, startup founder pedigree, engineering plus MBA from IMCAL. Uh, just take me through like a summary of your career graph till you reach the point of deciding to take the plunge. Interesting. I will have to start from long ago, possibly the last, last century, uh, <laughs> when my dad forced me to become an engineer. I mean, I grew up in a, uh, in a small town, North India, called Dehradun. And... Uh, when I was growing up, my 12th standard, we didn't have much of choices. I mean, the only three streams available to people were medicine, uh, services, or engineering. Medicine, I couldn't because uh, I didn't take off for bio uh, in my grade 11th. Defense, uh, I incidentally, my school was in the cantonment and Every year, there used to be a big contingent that would get dispatched to NDA. And so people used to have a lot of aspirations about joining NDA. I unfortunately didn't have one. Uh, but uh, my friends, like they forced me to just join them to write the exam. I wrote the exam, didn't clear it first attempt. It was a very simple exam. And then I took it on my ego. After that, I twice I cleared it, but they kicked me out of the SSB. And I have huge respect for the service selection board after that. I don't know what they see or what did they see or did not see in me. But I, I don't think I was ever meant for defense services. Uh, so the only choice left was engineering, though that was not my first preference. I wanted to do economics honors. Couldn't convince my dad or couldn't explain it to my dad what economic honors meant. So I was sent packing to an engineering college, did my engineering from uh, Thapar Institute in Patiala. Academically did very well, though technically I still get goosebumps when somebody asks me a technical question. Uh, Incidentally, after engineering, got into a job which was hardcore engineering. I, I started working for 
a JV that Escorts had with a German company called Class, and we were trying to redevelop in India stuff that was originally available in Germany. Did that for a couple of years, then my nerves gave up, patience gave up. Went to Cal to do my MBA. Um, I thought that's where the world would change after the MBA and thought I had achieved everything only to realize that that's where things start. And so I had to make a restart post MBA. Started with the consulting, did consulting with Pricewaterhouse for a couple of years. Only to realize consulting was not my cup of tea. Not that I didn't like it, but the amount of travel that point in time, I wasn't too keen. Uh, joined American Express on the analytics side. I was part of the US consumer cards team. Uh, did some inter interesting stuff there. And then I was based out of incidentally a Gurgaon. 2005 is when they said for me to grow beyond a certain point, I would have had to relocate to New York, which was something that did not excite me. I've been a true believer in the India story from a very long time. Joined a small bank called Centurion Bank. Um, which is now acquired by Bharat Pay, right? That's the same bank. No, 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 no. Centurion Bank no, is not. Okay. So Centurion Bank uh, was one of the first banks to get, it was an NBFC, and it was one of the first private sector banks when um, the licenses were granted in 1992. Went through its roller coaster ride and was in doldrums around 2000. Um, RBI wanted to merge it with one some PSU bank. That's when... Rana Talwar, who was uh, the erstwhile, that time erstwhile CEO of Global CEO of Standard Chartered, he came in, he bought the bank, he brought in a new management team. Uh, and then 2005, I joined uh, on the card side, tried to do quite a few things. Uh, it was an exciting phase where we wanted to grow very fast. So the journey started with Centurion buying the bank muscat license. It was a JV initially and we bought the bank muscat license. Then we bought Bank of Punjab. Then we bought Lord Krishna Bank. And uh, in 2008, interestingly, when we were contemplating one more acquisition, we, we got sold off to HDFC Bank. And I went as dowry to HDFC Bank as a part of that acquisition. Uh, Worked with HDFC Bank for a year. Um, it's an awesome bank, but I, I couldn't culturally align myself to the bank. So moved out, joined Visa. Um, Visa was a digital payments leader, not just globally, but in India as well. That point in time, I started uh, my initial role was managing the neighboring markets, which was uh, Sri Lanka, Nepal, Maldives. Bangladesh and 2011 we opened up Bhutan and then I got pulled into India Visa India where I ran business development for Visa India for a few years 2017 business development means uh, acquiring bank partners acquiring bank partners is the first part but you don't get to get uh, so many banks opening up every day but within bank 
how do you how do you impress upon those banks to issue more visa cards i mean you have competition that time the competition was predominantly from mastercard and then rupee was just about coming up so how do you get a bank so and it was more like uh, managing those relationships uh, leveraging the innovation that was happening globally to impress the uniqueness of visa and driving the market share um, in that process and uh, 2017 right after demonetization is when we started bitto so it's interesting as i said like i've always been uh, big on india uh, and my conviction has strengthened over time at visa uh, visa was a good place because you could see not just what's happening at one bank but across the country the developments and it's interesting when foreigners the people outside the people from regional and global offices would come and we would present the india opportunity and you could see everybody acknowledged it and uh, that india is a large opportunity in fact visa calls still calls india the largest cash displacement opportunity available globally uh, wow what does cash displacement mean here so there the amount see for visa the biggest competition till about 6 years ago was cash ah okay got it okay cash visa used to gain or for that matter digital payments used to gain at the expense of cash and the right. amount of got cash it. that existed in india is uh, was unparalleled that point in time so which means the opportunity was that much bigger for visa and while everybody acknowledged the uh, the large opportunity you could still see a sense that cynicism people would be like yes but we've been hearing this for the last 20 years and <laughs> but interestingly we were starting to see things change yes we would present a lot of optimism and sense that skepticism on the other side but we could start we started seeing things changing right from jandhan to mobile penetration increasing and given that you had such a a large access to whatever was happening you could kind of see the picture building up india is a large country culturally as well as geographically very diverse and hence one of the things that can solve problems or make this make somebody um, materialize an opportunity is technology and then that and that's when jandan started the process mobiles came in and then we could see data prices going down access becoming easier and demonetization happened that's when we said if the next 20 years belong to india and one of the sunrise sectors would be payments why work for somebody else why not create something on our own and that's when we decided to take a plunge a lot of people uh, asked us i mean demonetization happened and the same um, global regional folks came back saying like this is visas visa india's day in the sun why are you leaving now and our response was they they would ask why are you leaving and we said why not and uh, that's how mentok was born in late 2017 
So that's been pretty uh, much. Whom did you? Uh, whom did you start with? Like, like you had a someone from Visa only. Start, oh yeah, starting with you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, my two partners, Rama and Sanjay, we were together at Visa, so we were a part of the India South Asia leadership team. I used to run business development. Um, Sanjay used to run uh, operations, and Rama used to run products and innovations for Visa across uh, these geographies. We were together for like Rama and I were together at Visa for almost seven years. Sanjay overlapped with us for five years. Three of us had the same belief, same conviction in the India story, and there was a point in time when we realized if India story is this big and uh, payments would benefit and that's that's a space we thought we knew something about so we said why not take a plunge interesting what so you obviously have a very very high caliber mature team that understands the payment space uh what was the opportunity within the payment space that you thought was underserved because by that time uh upi was there for consumer payments and you already had uh, pine labs there for merchant on the merchant side yeah uh, bharat pay was not there but uh, i mean you had players in each of these so, so what did you see as the opportunity area so uh, interesting uh, when we and payments as you rightly said <coughs> is an ocean uh, it's, it's it's a very very vast segment and we when we were deliberating we looked at all the opportunities like is there opportunity on the issuing side but by the time uh, we were talking about leaving upi was still very nascent very nascent uh, upi like uh, in 2017 the monthly transactions used to be less than 10 million that's where upi was so digital payments was pretty much cards and we had a market which had almost a billion cards 900 million debit cards and then if i remember correctly 30 40 million credit cards but still uh, the personal the penetration of personal consumption expenditure on digital was single digits or early double digits very early double digits uh, much lower than not just uh, developed markets like us canada but also uh, if you look at uh, asia pacific much lower than what you see in south korea hong kong and one of the reasons was the acceptance side of the infrastructure had a challenge and that's when we said that too many entities looking on the issuing side of it the card side of it acceptance is still underdeveloped and unless and until acceptance um picks up gains traction this opportunity will not materialize and that's that's where we jumped onto the merchant side okay um yeah i, I mean so essentially you would be competing with the pine labs uh, no so <laughs> within merchant side also merchant side of the story also we looked at the various problems that existed that time and yes the likes of pine labs the world lines of the world were doing something and we said there's no point replicating what these guys are doing so we started looking at one, one, one quick question here for people who are not from this space uh 
what is Pine Labs doing? It has a bank tie-up and it is selling machines of that bank or what? Like, yes. Like the, the largely, issuer yes. of the machine is a bank? They are on the merchant infrastructure side. They work, they partner with banks to deploy POS terminals which accept cards. That's one of the services they offer. They have other offerings as well. Okay. Uh, in India, POS machines must go through a bank, right? Like uh, there is a bank which is, you need a bank to process the payment uh. technically yes bank has to sponsor so bank could either do it on their own or bank could sponsor a, a, an entity like um, a pine labs or their local likes who can then sign up merchants but okay. yes as far as rbi is concerned or the payment networks are concerned they hold the bank responsible. So it's they license it to the banks and banks are technically supposed to uh, run this business. So we started looking at problems. And one of the challenges was, and 4G was just about coming in, internet was very sketchy and payments were processed on internet. And we saw, and we when we were at Visa, we used to see this pretty often, like the drop of rates used to be high on Physical payments or proximity payments, as used to call it, when you're on post terminal, swiping a card and there's no network. Uh, transactions, the decline rates were like that time 10 to 15%, which was not a good experience. And we started looking at parallels in other areas, even in telecom, while Accessing uh, data was, I mean, because 3G, 3G itself was sketchy at that point in time, but voice used to work seamlessly. And one of the thoughts that came up was, if voice is working seamlessly, can we use voice as a fallback? Fax has been working for ages. Uh, I, I stay in Bombay. Bombay, within Bombay, data was good, but the moment you moved to 10 kilometers outside Bombay, the data, the 3, 3G would disappear. You wouldn't even get edge, but voice was, was still there. So we said, could we process those fallback transactions over the voice network? And we did uh, <coughs> build that capability uh, where the f- first uh, option was data on the POS terminal, but if data were to fall, the fallback was voice. So technically saying the transaction drop-offs would minimize, if not go to absolute zero, because you had 100% network availability. Took us a while to crack that capability. And when we did, we were very excited. We thought like somebody would call us and uh, give us a Nobel Prize for this discovery. And, <laughs> and that's when we said, like, that will happen whenever it will happen. Let's take it to the merchants because merchants should be more excited. We spoke to about 300 merchants, shopkeepers across Bombay and Chennai, Mumbai or Chennai. <clears throat> and interestingly, the consistent response was, yes, data is a problem. Transactions fall off. And this is a good option. I mean, if I get 100% of my transactions going through, that's, a, that's something I would prefer. Next question from us used to be, would you pay for it? And the unanimous answer was no. They said, if the tra- transaction don't go through, I'll simply ask the customer to pay me cash. Why would I pay you separately? 
and that was uh, a big eye opener for for us uh, so like we spent so much time building this capability only to realize that there's nobody willing to pay for it and we were hoping for a nobel prize uh, but uh, yes i would say that uh, you built a better mousetrap right uh, you i mean i would have looked at it as okay let me replace pine labs and other such players uh, through a machine which offers you better uptime like like uh, and i charge the same as they charge there is no need to ask for extra money uh, just enter the market through a better product like see but you still would need to invest in that hardware and the only way to uh, compensate for it somebody had to pay for it and if the merchants were not willing to pay you the premium why would they take it why would they even shift and because we i mean better product like uh, you know the, the i mean if you get a better product at the same but yeah i understand you need so, money so no the thing is uh, they said like why should i pay you a premium for this when my i ask my customers for cash and they are happy paying me cash if the transaction doesn't go through so they had an option and uh, whenever there is right. a choice then the chances of uh, anybody getting a premium that, that, that that's inverse proportion uh, in their inversely proportion uh, correlated and what what were you selling were you selling a like i will install an algorithm in your existing device no, which no, will no, no, no. In, improve it was or a, were you selling the full device it was a, it had to be a full device because uh, it was running on a smartphone uh, those post devices are like dumb terminals we we created a device on the back of a post terminal uh, on a back on the back of a mobile phone smartphone um this is one of those like connected through bluetooth where there is just a number pad uh, that yes, kind of yes 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 uh, yeah the okay. dongle along with the smartphone and you could process all transactions higher transaction success rates and uh, yeah we got kicked out of pretty much all the 300 so saying <laughs> you must be smoking something interesting if you are expecting a premium uh, <laughs> but what they did was uh, we realized in that process talking to those 300 uh, merchants their problems were very different i mean data was just the least of the problems because as a upi was just picking up this is i'm talking 2018 so you had merchants who would accept transactions on a post terminal then there would be a upi qr which would be connected to their smartphone if they are collecting remote payments another app uh, which would allow them to send links and collect payments then there would be for uh, bookkeeping they had moved to there were these apps that were coming up for bookkeeping they would have a separate like app book absolutely types. and then cash i mean five or six different modes and every evening they would sit and reconcile they would spend hours just reconciling between cards upi khata cash and that's not a good thing because what we also sense was while the belief general belief is smes are starved for capital the other thing they have a severe crunches time these are outlet small shops where it's like they don't have teams it's one person doing pretty much everything and if they have to spend like an hour or two just managing reconciling digital payments that's not being fair to their time and that that we saw was a big hindrance uh, 
and that allow that then um, took us back to the drawing board. We said, can we solve this problem? Can we consolidate everything on a single app? Because smartphones were gaining momentum. Uh, can we solve it uh, on a single app? A smartphone allowing the merchant to accept all payments. And because it was an app, we, there was we could do that much more. I mean, start with giving them an app that would help them accept payments across cards, UPI, Khata, and help them record their cash also solving for their reconciliation. That was the starting point. And then could you do more on the same app? This merchant, um, like in India, the festive season has just started. Even the small merchant wants to advertise to customers in the neighborhood saying like, I'm offering a 20% discount on shopping or if it's a jeweler. Because now it's an app, can you give them those marketing capabilities on the same app? Why not? Because if bandwidth is a problem, start with payment. Payments is something everybody needs. Give them those digital tools. And as they start using this app over a period of time, you have enough data. Can you use that same data to work with uh, banks and NBFCs to pre-qualify pre them for loans and offer loans and credit cards on the same app? Why not? Now you're saying, talking about an ecosystem, payments, digital services, and financial services, access to financial services. I mean, coming from Visa, one of the things that we've seen uh, on the merchant payment side, historically and forever, merchant payments is the most seamless way to access an SME. Why is an SME important? Because SMEs globally are financially underserved. So the object and everybody needs to accept payments. Earlier it was cash payment, now digital payments. So these guys need platform, need platform to accept digital payments. So the thought has been start with digital payment because that's the most seamless door opener. And eventually, because this guy is financially excluded, eventually open up access to financial services on the same platform. And that's how you're supposed to make money. I mean, the, the, some of the companies that have done it well globally include Square. That's, that's the uh, good benchmark for all companies. In this. But what was happening was for a large part of history, merchant payments were being done on POS terminals. These are dumb devices. There's only one way communication that can happen. Only You can only accept credit cards and debit cards and nothing much you can do on that. As a result, the story could not evolve beyond payments. The financial inclusion story was still uh, an aspiration. But now with apps, look at what's happening in India. India is an example. India, nine out of 10 transactions are happening when somebody is scanning a QR. Every time, so one is, because you're scanning a QR and the merchant has an app, uh, merchant has a smartphone and hence an app on that phone, they can check whether the payment is successful or not. But what, most important, post terminals, because they're expensive, you cannot offer it to everybody. Look at the market like India. There are 65 million SMEs. I'm not even talking about the guys selling vegetables on carts. These are uh, people who have some form of a license. But the outlets that would have a post terminal would be about 5 million. The number of post, post terminals are in excess of 7 million. But there are multiple post terminals at shops. and So unique outlets would be at best 5 million. 
which is less than 10% of the population. And if merchant payment is supposed to be the door opener to SMEs, one is this device, this hardware called the POS terminal is not a universal solution. And that is something that has been solved beautifully through UPI and merchant apps. Now, everybody has a smartphone and anybody who has a smartphone, which is technically everybody, can be made a merchant. And you can, you, you can see that in numbers. When I quit Visa in 2017, the market had about 4 million POS terminals. And pretty much 100% of the payments used to get accepted on POS terminal digital payments. UPI was, I mean, I remember data from March 2018, the market saw about 500 million transactions at outlets. Uh, 36 million was UPI and 440 million, 50 million was cards, debit cards, credit cards. Fast forward to March 23, the same market did five and a half billion transactions. Cards was again uh, 500 million, not pretty much stagnant for the last six years. And UPI, 5 billion transactions. And most of these transactions is when somebody is scanning a QR. Today, we have 50 million merchants, 5-0 million merchants accepting payments, not on a POS terminal, but on their smartphone through a QR, a merchant app and a QR. Now, the good thing is, this is a universal solution because everybody has a smartphone and everybody can technically become a merchant. Second is, every time you scan a QR, the merchant looks at the app on their phone and to see whether the payment is successful or not. Every time they're looking at the phone is an opportunity for the platform provider to interact. So if let's say uh, I, uh, I'm a small coffee shop, you come to my shop, have your coffee and for 20 rupees, you scan a QR. I will open the app on my phone and I'll see the yes, 20 rupees payment successful. But I see a small message saying 50,000 rupees pre-approved loan. Are you, are you interested? I may ignore that message. Next time, another transaction happens, I see that message again. Three days later, I actually need a loan. Where do you think I'll go? Not to the bank, but to this app. And that's the beauty. So this new model is solving not just for, uh, for scale-up, it's a universal solution, but also engagement. And that's what we also created. Uh, we were not the first ones to create it. There are other players doing it. But where we differentiated, when we created, we, we ran this for about a year. We call it our past experience, legacy baggage, call it what you will. We realized. You, you ran what for a year? This business where we created this merchant app, allowing merchants to accept payments through QR. We had right up front. Yes, QR plus Visa Mastercard also, or yeah, yeah everything, everything, everything was okay. there. So, so it came with a device which could scan, and where customer so could enter the pin. It came with a device, but for a small merchant who didn't have a device on their phone and a QR, they could still accept card payments. I mean, I could send you right. a link, or when you scan the QR, uh, you could pay through the okay. card as well. So. Okay, okay, it would open a payment gateway link uh, for the customer. Something too. like yes, yes, yes. And okay, but it. right from the beginning, we were kind of clear that the best entities to be able to solve for SME were banks. Because banks have something, an advantage over everybody else, which is unparalleled, which is the trust. Today, people, when it comes to money, trust becomes important. And that's where banks have unparalleled advantage over everybody else. Fintechs have solved tech. The only area they lack 
is trust, which is what banks have. But banks don't have the, the right tech to be able to offer these products and the customer is spoiled. They want the best of tech provided by a trusted partner, but banks cannot. And that's where we realized if we were able to, if we were to offer this offering through a bank, uh, it would solve a lot of problems. But when we went to banks, obviously banks have inertia. They were like, yeah, looks good. Let's keep talking. And that's what prompted us. We said for us to do a product market fit, let's do sign up merchants on our own. That's which is what we did for about a year. And in the process, this was uh, like 2018 to 2019, 2018, pretty much we did the first one where data our voice and 2019 is when we started signing up merchants across Bombay, Chennai, Mumbai, Chennai. And, and you had a bank partnership in place. Uh, we had a bank sponsorship in place because okay. technically you need a bank to sponsor you, but they were not. We were signing up agreements with the merchant, the understanding between the merchant. And over a period of a year, we and were... Yes. How you would earn is through the MDR, the merchant discount rate would be shared with you. Yes, the bank yes, and yes, you would yes, 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 yes. So okay. that, that's okay. uh, exactly what, what was happening. So that was our margin. And over a year... We were able to demonstrate to banks saying uh, to suggest like an unknown brand was able to sign up the merchants where banks were present originally, was able to displace those banks and charge a fee from the merchant. So the merchants liked us and were willing to offer us a fee and an unknown brand becoming a predominant acceptance platform at merchant, which was an eye-opener for the banks and that's when they started um, closing so up to us. In addition to the MDR, you would charge like a monthly subscription or something from that the time. Yes, we had a monthly subscription. Which, which I think is uh, par for the course, right? When a merchant takes a POS machine, they pay some sort of yes, rental. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So okay. that's how we started and then um, because as I said, we were not the first ones to do it. There were players like Paytm, PhonePay. Everybody was trying to do the same thing. Uh, the only place we, we said like if we were to do what these guys are doing we would end up becoming like them, one of them one of the many options available to the shopkeeper and that's that's a problem that, that you see currently also while banks took a back seat uh, for the first 5-6 years and uh, pay ATM, uh, phone pay the likes gained because payments is more become more tech and banks don't have that DNA uh, and hence banks abdicated that space. But what we also saw was any shop you go to will have like three or four QR codes. We're just talking payments and then something else for digital catalog, something else for um, Khata. Again, same problem. Earlier it was multiple payment options. Now, well, payment options have become interoperable, but because brands Every brand realizes this is the way to acquire an SME. You see like four or five QR stickers at every shop. And we said that again positions banks with a unique advantage of trust. Because if one of these players goes to the shopkeeper, and this we've seen in our experience as well. One of these players goes to the shop and says like you don't need the other four QRs because my QR is 
self-serving suffices for everything payments because they don't have the trust. The merchant generally responds saying, how do you care or how do I care? Let the customer decide. Now, just imagine if the bank were to go to the same shopkeeper and say, your current account is with me. You, your money is with me. You trust me with your money. I will give you one QR and one app that will solve for all your payment needs. And tomorrow I will offer you loans cheaper than anybody else on the same app that is likely to resonate. And that, that was our story. That's where we started in 2020, signing up our first bank partner, which was HDFC, then we signed SBI Access. Today we have, uh, and, and yes, Bank in India. Today we have uh, shared over 2.2 million merchants in the country through banks. We offer it as a white label proposition to banks. And just to make the, the decisioning easier for banks, our model is a SaaS model where banks pay us per user per month kind of a fee to start with. So it doesn't hurt. They don't have to incur a large capex to sign us up. It only when it scales up, does it start making sense for, for them or us. So we have shared over 2.2 billion uh, merchants. Uh, Sorry, 2.2 mil million merchants. Merchants using the platform. These are, which are offered okay. by banks, white label for banks. Uh, in terms yeah, of what is what is the merchant offered that same mobile app with a with device a to scan no no so it's, okay. it's only okay. QR. So, no 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 okay so merchants the journey starts with the merchant downloading an app which is a, a white label app white label with the bank's branding they get a QR. so like a yes bank merchant app something like that they would it's, for example hdfc has smart app vyapar for merchants okay so merchants get okay. a qr and an app on their phone QR is one of the touch points, but on the app itself, the merchant can accept card payments. Like if the merchant has an NFC phone, customers can tap their card on the phone and make a payment. Uh, merchant can uh, generate a dynamic QR in addition to that QR sticker. Merchant can send a link. Any transaction happening on that QR sticker also gets updated on the app in real time. In addition, if a merchant has a POS terminal from the same bank, any transaction happening on the POS terminal gets reflected on the app in real time. So it's a complete omni-channel experience for that shopkeeper to start with. Now that's the first one. Then there are any statement the merchant needs, historical, yesterday's, last week, last year's, at a click of a button they can download. They don't have to call up anybody. The shopkeeper has five outlets. They want to see the performance of five outlets on the same app. They can compare perform performances of all five outlets in real time. Which one is performing, which one is not performing. Then uh, the platform has allows uh, banks to run campaigns. Like as I said, you still have cases where bank would be competing versus some fintechs in the same shop. So the platform allows banks to run gamified campaigns, um, which propose levels to merchants when merchants achieve levels there are incentives small gratification in terms of either digital badges or cashbacks just to enhance stickiness there then there is a merchant loyalty program very similar to an airline frequent flyer program where basis their performance they get categorized as platinum gold silver and the benefits uh, accrue to them uh, according to their tiers if they have an issue what kind of benefits could be anything like a simple thing like if a cashback campaign is being run, uh, the platinum guys qualify for the topmost tier automatically. They don't have to go through levels. 
or when they offer bank products, there are subsidized offerings for banks. All the idea is solve for the merchant's payments initially because for SMEs, the most crucial activity is payment collection. That defines their existence. Get them to use your app for payments because that's a starting point. Once they start using it, build engagement through these gamified campaigns and loyalty. Uh, the third is in a pain point, they don't have to call up anybody. From the app, they can log in their request and track what's happening. And the idea is build engagement for that SME with the bank partner because once there is engagement, then the bank starts offering pre-approved loans or credit cards. So our experience across these merchants today, these merchants look at the payments app much more than they look at their mobile banking app. And they're definitely not going to bank branches. So if you want to sell this guy a loan, use the best option or your best chances of getting this merchant to take a loan is on, on the payments app, not on the mobile banking app. And as I said, they're not going to the branches. So we have about uh, shade over 2.2 million uh, merchants on this platform. I won't be able to reveal the exact numbers, but in terms of uh, size, uh, we are the third largest after Paytm and PhonePay. In, this, in terms of in this number space. of merchants. Not number of merchants. Number of merchants, we are That's just not there. It's the volumes processed uh, on the platform. Oh, you mean like the, the GTV, the G cross transaction? GTV, GMV, we are number three uh, in the space, uh, bigger than some of the names I haven't taken. Uh, and with a merchant base, which is significantly, we have 2 million merchants. Others are like all of uh, the other guys are 10 to 30 million merchants. And the only reason is, because when the bank goes, the same point, the merchant starts, is already already has four QR codes, four apps. When the bank goes with the pitch over a period of time, the merchant consolidates everything on the same platform. And as a result, we have our throughputs or volume generated by merchants is like six times better than what the market is used to see. It's basically for the SME, combining the best of tech, of being offered through their most trusted partner, which is the bank. It's all in for them. For the bank also, they had abdicated the space. Now they are, this gives them a chance to come back because if you look at some of these players, uh, they started with payments. Banks had abdicated payment, the payment space. These guys got into payments. Then they started offering the same SME loan. Then they started offering uh, wealth management products. And now banks are saying, wait, this guy was my customer because this guy had a savings or a current account with us. But he's not taking a loan from us, obviously, because he's not coming to a branch. He's not looking at a mobile banking app. Payment app is what these guys look at because they cannot survive without it. And the banks don't have those payment apps. So banks are now getting excited, saying like banks had a challenge because, as I said, banks are used to creating static products. You launch a current account, customers will come. You deploy a post-terminal, transactions will happen. But when it's an app, which is what payments have now become, app is a very dynamic, a living product where you have to change things pretty much every week or month. And that's what banks are not wired to do because they have, while the common notion is banks have legacy infrastructure, what we tend to underrate, under is the fact that this infrastructure for banks has been built over multiple decades and they have a large business that's running. 
they cannot overhaul their infrastructure. It's like mid-air refueling. But they have the trust which is unparalleled. They lack tech, which is where we come and we say, we will white label it. So it's your brand going. We will ensure it's at par, if not better than whatever is available in the market. And we will offer you on a subscription basis so that you don't have to, it's, it's pocket friendly as well. So you essentially you're like the Shopify for like where in this example Paytm is like the Amazon. Yeah, but both both these players are going too much directly. We are. I would rather say we in terms of a business model, we're more like a again. This goes back to the previous experience. We're more like a Visa. When you go to a bank, you ask for a debit card or a credit card. You ask for the bank's debit card or credit card. But when you swipe, when the transaction happens, that is powered by that network Visa or Master. But you don't see much of Visa or Master on the card. It's, we have a same philosophy. Oh, amazing. amazing. So, so you're like the, the, the digital app-based version of Visa. Absolutely, yes. Okay. For SMEs. For SMEs. Right, right, right. Okay, got it. Very interesting. So uh, I have a couple of questions I want to ask you. Uh, you spoke of uh, dynamic QR. Or what is that and what's the use case of that? So, uh, okay, when you talk about QRs, there are two types of QRs. There is a QR that you see, a sticker that you see in most shops where you scan and you as a customer enter the amount. That's a static QR. Because all that QR has is the merchant credentials, nothing else. You are supposed to enter the amount. Dynamic QR is which is something that is generated on a digital device where the merchant or the shopkeeper enters the amount. And the customers can scan it with their app, but they don't they can't enter the amount. The amount is pre-populated. Okay, got it. Yeah, 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 I understand now. Like when I do shopping at IKEA, you typically get something like yeah. that there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Got it. Uh, if a uh, so a shopkeeper could also generate multiple QRs for each cash till, like each of his uh, oh, cashiers absolutely. can have a separate Abs- for him to track who's processing how much payment. Absolutely and- yes. I mean the app comes with the user delegation module. The business owner can delegate. Uh, usage of the app by till or by 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 function for example if i'm the business owner i download the app um, i need to step out of the shop i can delegate it to somebody else in my shop but i can define that this person should be able to accept payments but not have access to my financial statements and or i have an accountant i am i can use the same app to delegate access to the accountant but define saying this accountant should access my financial statement not accept payments on his or her phone so all those uh, um, permutation and combinations are possible through the user delegation model which is available on the app okay very interesting uh when you say financial statements uh, this is linked to the bank account or just payment history history of payment transactions so as of now it's payment uh, payment transactions whatever they want to see last six months, how much payment, how much fees they have paid to the back on, how much declines have happened. That's a starting point. But now we are working with the with the bank partners to bring the banking history because banks are realizing saying, banks are realizing SMEs are spending more time on this app than on the mobile banking app. So why not show some of those features on the same app? As I said, for SMEs, bandwidth is also a problem. And payments app is something they can't survive without. So can you 
bring their entire ecosystem on this app uh, rather than getting these guys to toggle between multiple apps, which is what we are doing now. So yes, whatever what you said is coming up. It's on the roadmap. The same SME would be able to access banking relationship on the same app. Amazing, amazing. Uh, you spoke of creating a CRM also so that the merchants can like send out uh, promotional messages to their customers, etc. Yes. Uh, all that is there? Yes, yes. So there are two forms. One is merchants can just do a communication campaign saying, for example, pre-monsoon, before monsoon, they can just send out messages to customers in the vicinity saying new set of umbrellas in the shop or the merchant can actually this is, how is the messaging sent is this through a sms gateway it, it, or, it, uh... it integrates so they can what the the module does is it has predefined templates available for merchants they can pick and choose those templates we are actually enriching in the process of enriching those templates with some generative ai as well so that merchants can get creative and then it can integrate with their instagram they can push it through their whatsapp uh, so all those capability or they can display it on um, their Facebook handle. All those capabilities are available. The other module is the merchant can technically run a loyalty program saying like every fifth transaction, if they want to reward uh, the customer, there is a module that, that allows them to run that kind of a campaign uh, through the same platform. How, how does the data entry happen? A merchant doesn't have time to data, enter data no, no. of Only, uh, customers. Merchant. I mean, each time you'll have to capture the customer phone number for a loyalty program, right? It's only when, to, when you want to run loyalty because that's that's one of the easy identifiers for customers because, because customers can change payment options. Today, I'm getting a cash back on my credit card. I want to pay through card. Tomorrow, it's UPI, third day cash. The only thing that doesn't change is number. So if the shopkeeper wants to uh, run a loyalty program, then it's through phone number is the point. Then they, ha in that case, they have to enter the phone number. Okay. And this is through the app only, like on the mobile app, he can enter the Absolutely, phone number. Absolutely, right? yes. So that mobile app is available in uh, all uh, OSs, iOS, Android, as well as for the larger merchant, there is a web version. Okay. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you next. Like most larger merchants generally have a desktop where the, yes, the so we have happens. we have an option for them as well. Okay, okay, okay. And you would uh, integrate with the whatever POS software that they are using. Billing software integration is on a need basis. Not everybody wants to integrate uh, because. That's, that's one of the challenges in India. The billing software space is very fragmented. Even the large grocery stores in, in a city like Mumbai would have billing softwares uh, built through some software developer in, in, in Nasik or Nagpur, not necessarily those branded ones. May or may not have APIs. And that's where the challenge is. Our first thing is let's solve for their payment challenges first because payment will will get you interactions and interactions result in engagement engagement helps banks monetize let's solve for that and then yes on a need basis for large um, stores chains we can integrate with the billing software as well okay okay got it got it okay uh, maybe like doing a billing software of your own makes sense because all merchants need it like and Building is easy. 
it's the selling part uh, when it's as yeah. said, it's such a fragment see payments we said because it's to do with money collection and banks have trust and they have distribution what they lack is tech let's complement because distribution and trust is available and we were able to solve it billing software i don't know what that distribution would look like banks would not be able to distribute they already have something where they are used to i mean i remember uh, when we initially started this was a lot of people told us why don't you create a billing and inventory system of your own and for us the logical thing is before we embark on anything we talk too much saying like and we created some prototypes <coughs> went to merchants and we asked them we asked them their reaction and everybody said almost pretty much everybody said this looks very nice but the other message that came back was while this looks nice and fancy the challenge is i'm the business owner i will not use it i have a cashier who uses is who's very used to my existing software and this cashier goes for vacation 3 months a year where he brings in his friend who is also used to this software if you have to sell it you'll have to train my cashier which will take a lot of time but also ensure that when this guy leaves you are willing to come back again and retrain and they said like it will be difficult and i remember uh, even the i don't know if you recall 2018 jio also ventured into the space and their pitch was everything on a pos including inventory billing while they they discontinued this services i was told one of the big reasons was this uh, training and retraining part uh, and that again comes from like a very fragmented space so yeah there are nuances as i said like the payment opportunity itself leading to financial inclusion of those uh, shopkeepers is is calling it an ocean would be an understatement so that itself is a very large opportunity right we right, will evolve right. with the system Uh, tell me about the vyapar deal how did it fructify uh, how did you execute it because that was like your one uh, the first big opportunity you had to really change the game for you as a business yeah hcfc uh, smart hub vyapar in fact uh, again coming from visa hcfc is the largest player in this ecosystem and we were very clear we had to start with the biggest one and then convincing others so it was right from day one it was we had to get hdfc and sbi because sbi to sets the tone for uh, private sector players hdfc oh, sorry public sector players and hdfc is like uh, the top player in payments and we had like we said we need to get couple of between access ic i say one of them to when we went to banks uh, there was inertia they they liked it but there was inertia i said and that's when we started signing up our own merchants and over a period of time when we were able to demonstrate to the same banks how this becomes the the salience that we gain and these merchants were originally owned by banks is when they started realizing they said and by the time what has what had helped was the likes of paytm phone pay had started gaining traction and banks were initially they were okay 
letting these merchants go. But when these guys started selling loans and that's when banks, banks started sensing danger. And they started closing up to us even more. Uh, HDFC was the first one um, because we were so perseverant with them. We were able to demonstrate. They came on board. Uh, unfortunately for us, we signed up in January 2020 and March 2020 lockdown got announced. Uh, incidentally, we not only signed up HDFC in India in January 2020, we signed up a bank in Kuwait, a bank called uh, Burgan Bank. Uh, with a similar offering. Uh, March 2020, lockdown got announced, but that allowed us to, like, thankfully, HDFC took that lockdown as an opportunity to accelerate stuff on the tech side, which just provided us the fill-up or impetus that we needed. And we went live while we had developed, but the training, etc. took some time. It's only in December 21, uh, December 20, that things started moving for us with HDFC. They started signing up merchants and the market was just about opening up. People were going on the ground. Um, things started changing for us. 21 is when they really picked up steam. And as I said, like, uh, 21 is when SBI came in and then this year, early, Yes Bank came in. And earlier this year, we signed up Access Bank. Uh, and the journey has been interesting now, again, with a very small size, a relatively small size, not very small, relatively small, small base of merchants. We have throughputs which are bigger than um, uh, players with much bigger bases. We've been able to demonstrate engagement for banks, which is where they are seeing value. Um, so that's, that's that story has panned out well, though I always believe we could always do better but similar equally interesting uh, as i said 2020 jan we signed up Burgan bank in kuwait they were the fifth largest player uh, in the merchant payment space fifth largest bank there it's pretty much banks who do it today One, tell me about kuwait uh, see in india you uh, see essentially uh, the app is not a like made for card processing is more for a QR processing, right? Like that would be a bigger, uh, bigger pitch for the app, and which is what you said multiple times that we will replace multiple QR codes with one single QR code. How does uh, this value proposition work in a country where there is no UPI yeah. QR code based payment? So let, I'll tell you what happened in Kuwait, and then I'll come to like how the other. Um, uh, parts of the world are looking at what we built because we are there in Africa as well. So, Kuwait, as you rightly said, there was no UPI. Digital pay penetra payment penetration was relatively high as compared to India. But, and all of it was happening on post terminals. Banks were buying post terminals. Unfortunately, when it comes to post terminals, there's globally, there are two or three large OEMs who provide these POS terminals, the likes of Ingenico, Verifone, Pax. And it's very difficult for a bank because everybody's buying from these guys. So how do you differentiate your proposition? Everybody's offering the same POS terminal. Kuwait, the problem was even um, bigger because 
Banks don't directly buy term post terminals from uh, OEMs. There is a centralized agency called KNET which procures and banks have to take terminals from the, So whatever KNET gives you, you have to take it. Now, I am bank A. I go to the shopkeeper. I offer my post terminal. There is a bank B coming up with the same post terminal from the same OEM. How do you differentiate? Because you can't differentiate. There will just be a different sticker on top. That yes. And these are dumb devices. You can't do much. And hence, the only thing that you can play up on, uh, play on is uh, price, MDR. The only thing you can offer is, I will offer you 10 basis points lower. And the next guy would say, like, I will offer you 20 basis points. And as a result, this business has become very commoditized. Payments on post terminals. And uh, Burgen Bank was facing that same challenge in Kuwait. So what we did was, uh, we gave, we, 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 Gave, we white-labeled for Burgan Bank a subset of what we have in India. Without the payment capability, everything else was there. So payments in Kuwait, so Burgan, um, the app is called Tijarati. To their merchants, Burgan gave them a post terminal and they got the business owner to download this app on his or her personal phone. Now, what was happening was this owner was able to stay connected with their business in real time. Transactions would happen on the post terminal. They would get in. They could see on the app. They could see a consolidated view on the app. If this guy had five stores earlier, they had no visibility. Now there was there was real time visibility so much so that on a post terminal. If you ask a shopkeeper as to how much business has happened till this very moment since morning, they would struggle because they mostly get to know next day when the bank sends them an email and that was happening in Kuwait. But with this app, the merchant had real-time access to their business, irrespective of their location. They could be in Kuwait, they could be in New York. As long as they had their phone, they could see how much business has happened across multiple outlets. If they had a payment gateway and a post terminal across payment, between credit, debit, international, domestic, all of these things. All statements. Now, interesting, the statements was an interesting piece because that point in time when, the, when we were doing the beta, the sales guys went to merchants saying, you could access your payment statements in real time at a click of a button. Merchants refused to believe because in Kuwait that time it was taking about three weeks for a bank to deliver a statement. And you were telling a merchant this could be, they could access it real time. They refused to believe. So that was the first big differentiator for Burgan Bank. Now because they had this app and let's say the merchant had a post from Burgan Bank and uh, Bank X. The first differentiator was Burgan was giving them real-time intelligence, not just about payment information, but their say uh, business trending, peak hours, off-peak hours. And beyond that, Burgan was able to run gamified campaigns on this. Do 30 transactions and there is a reward waiting. Now, just to get the excitement it creates because there is curiosity. Something will happen at the 30th transaction. Every time a transaction would happen, the app would light up saying, 10 transactions done, 20 more to go. Now, the merchant does not have incentive to use the bank access terminal. They would try to consolidate every And 30 transaction, there would be a scratch card saying, my digital scratch card, the merchant scratches the card and says, you just won a $1 cash back. Now, that's interesting. And it says, there's a bigger surprise waiting for you at the 60th transaction. So, one is, you're giving the merchant to consolidate business on the business Burger Bank platform. Then, Burgan Bank was able to run loyalty, which earlier merchant doing 
100,000 KD of business and a merchant doing 1,000 KD of business a month were treated at par. Now you could run a loyalty program, being able to uh, reinforce a privileged status to the bigger merchants and create a, a path to upgrade or enhance motivation for the smaller merchants. Then the other problem was earlier the post terminal would break down, merchant would be irritated. But what would irritate them more was calling up the call center, getting into that queue. After five minutes, getting a response from a customer care rep and they would say like, we would try and resolve this uh, problem in 48 hours. That just irritates the merchant even more. Now, Burgen Bank merchants, they don't have to call anybody. They can log in their request, be it a terminal breakdown. They want uh, a new post terminal. Everything can be logged in through the app without the need to call anybody. And not only can they log in, they can track what's happening to the request. So you create differentiations without payments continue to happen on the post terminal. But you've created a differentiation through this app. And because the merchant is looking at this app multiple times a day, there is a reason. You start pushing offers for pre-approved credit cards also on the same app. That's monetization for the bank. And as I said, we started again around the same time as HDFC Bank in India. They were the fifth largest player in the market. Today, they are the second largest player in the same space in Kuwait. And it's before the end of this calendar year, they are likely to become number one in the market. Their only differentiator, claim differentiator, is the Tijarati app, which is our app by table for that. So that was wow, Kuwait. Amazing. And, yeah. and, but what's happening is uh, we have now, we are focusing on Africa. Because a lot of Africa is very similar uh, to India. Large continent, densely populated, some countries, high penetration of cash. And their challenge was digital payments. There's some pockets like Kenya where MPSA exists, but that's still a closed loop wall guard kind of thing. Interoperable payments are not there because interoperable payments earlier warranted infrastructure, post terminal card, which is expensive. And hence these countries lag behind. Now everybody wants to emulate what's happened in India. India has become... Uh, what is M-Pesa, if you can just quickly... M-Pesa is an offering by a company called Safaricom, which is a mobile wallet that sits on... Your like mobile, a Paytm. Like a Paytm in the earlier days. Paytm wallet-to-wallet transactions. Anybody yeah, can pay because the currency is M-Pesa. Yeah. yeah. Not interoperable. Yes. Okay. So M-Pesa is... Uh, the predominant payment mode in Kenya and they're there in a couple of other markets. But again, you need MPC on both sides. Unlike here where you can use your... Like uh, China has uh, WePay. Uh, WePay, uh, yeah. WeChat and Alipay. Very similar. Yeah. These are uh, world gardens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But now everybody's seen the success that India has tasted. And a lot of these countries are looking to emulate what's happened in India through UPI smartphones. For example, Mauritius um, launched a product called uh, Mocas, which is <coughs> open banking APIs, connecting uh, banks and real facilitating real-time account-to-account uh, -account transfer. Uh, South Africa recently launched PayShap. Kenya is launching Kenya QR. And for everybody, the reference point is India. 
And for us and all these places, the struggle is the same banks because this is becoming tech and that's what banks struggle with. They're feeling left behind. And from our side, the way we have architected the platform, it's one cloud native, all our integrations are API and it's a microservices architecture, completely modular, which means if a bank in Africa wants this, all I need to do is lift and shift. I take the same platform that's in India to Africa, I change the skin, add a language, maybe like for example, Mauritius, we will add French uh, at some point in time. But beyond that, pretty much it's, it's, it's the same thing because the shopkeeper needs are same, bank's needs are similar. And uh, the payments architecture is looking to replicate or emulate what's happened in India. So that's now uh, we've signed up with APSA in Africa, which is the third largest bank in Africa. They're present in 10 countries. Uh, we're starting with Mauritius very shortly. So that's, uh, yeah. And, and you, you support M-Pesa also in this? Uh, like if a merchant wants to accept payment through the M-Pesa wallet? If the, if the, if the, if the, if the bank wants uh, and M-Pesa is a predominant currency, yes, we can integrate with M-Pesa also. Uh, okay, banks would not be very keen on it because they lose the MDR. They yes, they're not keen, but some places they don't have a choice because it's so so the salience is so high. Yeah, right. Okay, 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 okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, okay, got it. So uh, I understand broadly uh, like what the business is. Uh, what's your global GTV? Are you at liberty to share, or what will it be by the end of the year? <laughs> I don't want to make futuristic statements, but uh, we are, uh, as of now, in terms of salience, India is this high concentration in, uh, of India on our platform and we are uh, shared in excess of $27 billion annualized GTV. Uh, okay, this is uh, everything, including India, rest of the world, everything. The rest of the world, world is very small because that's how those markets are. But yeah. Wow. Amazing. $27 billion. Uh, this is your uh, annual annualized Run rate, uh, yeah. GTV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, this you're saying only uh, Paytm and PhonePay are bigger than this. You yes, said you're the yes, third. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. This is the physical space uh, I'm talking about. So physical shops, uh, not counting the online payment gateway volume that you see on the online players, because that's okay. a, that, that, that's the space right. we play. We don't we don't play in the online space. Right, right, right. Got it. Okay, okay. So, uh, what what is your uh, pricing strategy like? Uh, you you price per uh, user. What's the user defined? Like one business is a user. Uh, so, or it starts with one the business owner as the user, but when the business owner delegates to another user, it becomes two users. So there is a subscription pricing per user, per user per month is what we get. Every time a payment happens, we have a small take rate on the payment. That's what we start with. At some point in time, once the vintage build, the shopkeeper takes a loan through the same platform. We have a cut on the loan. They take a credit card. We have a fee that's a more success related. And then we will shortly be opening up uh, some third party services on the platform. For example, if this guy needs to file a tax and their GST 
on the same app they would be able to file where we will integrate with the third party and we will have a cut uh, share with the uh, revenue share with the third party okay isn't this uh, friction where i mean i'm just thinking from the bank's perspective that uh, for me one business should have one price right if that business owner decides to add his cashiers uh, onto the app and his accountant onto the app then i have to pay more for it but uh, you are giving the business owner the flexibility to add and uh, banks are free to charge the business owner okay. we we don't dictate that i mean that's uh, that's but a but i don't no nobody can i don't think banks have the ability to charge i mean they wouldn't pay right again see market also determines what you can what you cannot charge but you have to understand that banks have many other levers i'm not saying because this guy for example retains a current account with the bank on the current account current account is one of the richest product for any bank because whatever money you put into the current account bank is offering you 0% interest rate but the same money the bank is lending to somebody else upwards of 10% so you just imagine the kind of spread they have on the current account so it's a, in the bank's interest to ensure that the sme stays with them bank the current account is the bank everything else is peripheral for everybody else is competing on figuring out how to make money on payments but banks as i said for uh, reasons uh, that have been there for long have uh, a lot of other levers yes yes absolutely absolutely okay and uh, what kind of take rate do you have on the mdr <laughs> and this would only be for uh, visa mastercard rupee right not for uh, upi because upi has no mdr so i won't be able to give you the numbers but it's on everything see my thing is that's if it's a upi, UPI has no mdr so you what is it doing for the bank it is enhancing their stickiness ensuring that that money stays in their current account hmm. if 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 they they don't have this app and uh, the merchant is using let's say a google pay app tomorrow what if google pay starts pitching saying shift your current account to some other bank so that's i mean th- there are reasons for banks uh, and it's not like we, we didn't start with this uh, uh, revenue line it's it's evolved over a period of time and it's because banks have seen value they're willing to offer I, I'm guessing, wouldn't it make more sense for you in the long term to just take a cut from the GTV, no subscription, just friction-free, very linked with the, I mean, very, very closely aligned incentives for both parties. So I don't know what how it shapes up in the future. Uh, we started with subscription, now it's a hybrid, and uh, as of now, the banks are comfortable paying it. We are also happy with it because that it there is. Uh, motivation for us to deliver more uh, and it is working for us at this point in time no need to change it i don't know how the situation evolves in the long run because uh, we are we have what we have built versus what is there on the road map we're not even 30% of of our road map so as the landscape evolves as more feature come in who knows how easy is it for another software company to replace you could a bank tomorrow sign up with another company and 
just push an update on the app store so when the app is updated on the merchant's phone uh, you are out and the other companies in a hypothetical question i'm just yeah, figuring no, out no, how it's a fair, fair fair question technically nothing is impossible what you are saying is definitely possible but you have to understand it's not just payments banks the challenge always was they had legacy infrastructure which they could not overhaul and they were not nimble enough as a result they were losing uh, the space to fintechs we came in complemented banks and it's not just payments in the process we integrated with multiple systems within the banks so now we sit as a digital layer over the banks infrastructure banks are clear any and they want to partner with 100 different players because that's their that, that's the way they could get nimble earlier they couldn't because integrating into their in- infrastructure was a uh, quite a long haul now banks are clear any new partnership would integrate into our platform not the bank's core infrastructure because we are already deeply integrated with the bank's infrastructure tomorrow if they want to okay. change they will have to approve us from each of these linkages get a new partner to and as i said we are also building up newer third party services which are being offered to bank through our platform which means they will have to get the new player to integrate with all those third parties go back to the same merchants get them to resign their agreements not impossible but not easy again as as long as and as i said we've been able to deliver to banks what they expected maybe more i would tend to think maybe more because that's why i'm still relevant for them and it's not just a subjective thing we've been able to demonstrate consistently on the numbers thing being late starters getting to a position where we are with a significantly smaller merchant base and the lowest of vintages i mean this uh, the the throughputs also increase as the port, uh, portfolio vintage increases we have one of the lowest vintages so as long as we are adding value to banks i don't see uh, a bank wanting to redo everything because it's it's as i said it's not impossible but not easy yes tomorrow if we stop okay. adding value why not i mean so there's this class of businesses like these fintech infrastructure companies like say falcon kite yep. uh maybe maybe even m uh, m i forget the name company, m2 m2p 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 right m2p uh, so you are also competing with them if i understand correctly because they are essentially doing this right they help uh, fintechs to connect with banks uh, and they are the layer in between uh, they have integrated with the bank systems and now fintechs who want to offer bank products or integrate more deeply go through them uh, so you are competing with them so they are also enabling banks to get better we are also doing the same thing the big difference is the names you just said largely focus on the consumer or the issuing side we focus on the sme side or the merchant side of the story okay so so those are like for uh, a company who wants to 
issue a credit card in collaboration with a bank yeah, yeah. so they will go through an mtp m2p or uh, yeah. one of these yes. other players to yes. make that issuance of credit cards uh, happen digitally and yes. like that yes 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 and we specialize largely on the sme side for smes payments is a starting point but the idea is to leverage payments to convert this merchant into a customer for the bank where the merchant takes more products from the bank be it loans cards uh, and that's where we have gained experience so while we have these 2 million merchants and the the throughputs are better than 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 uh, the market it's not been an easy ride because we've gone through a lot of learnings so we have a very strong analytics and merchant insights team that every month comes out with hypothesis that we test in the in the market see what competition is doing if a merchant is using our platform why are they using it if they're not using it why are they not using it and all those that the feedback then funnels back into the product um, roadmap to see is there anything that we can offer on the feature side can we add a new feature can we improvise an existing feature so we've done multiple interventions uh, i mean over the last i would say 30 months we would have done close to 10 plus interventions large interventions give me an example of what an intervention looks like so when we for example when we launched this app it was a payments app with all the dashboards everything over a period of time we realized merchants as like like it starts with the, the journey starts with the business owner but the business owner is not in the outlet all the time if they have to step out you may recall people would like earlier call up the owner when somebody scanned a qr the cashier in the shop would call up the owner asking paise aa gaye paise aa gaye kya yeah right and right right that was a pain and we looked at what was happening in the market and then we created this user delegation module then we realized small merchants were hesitating to use the platform because very small merchants they want to see money real time into the bank bank whereas we were settling next day the bank was settling next day and the market was moving to instant settlement the team came back saying this is what small merchants wanted but we realized if we move the entire thing to instant settlement the large merchants who account for a big chunk of volume would run would not use your platform because they don't want to see the, those many entries into the current account they want one credit but they want notification for everything so we created this feature where the merchant on the app can decide whether they want the money instantly into their account or next day so these are some of the interventions that and these keep happening on a regular basis as i said like that's and, that this would need like very close coordination with the bank right because the bank has to agree to provide instant settlement absolutely yes yes but the 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 thing starts with Uh, on ground research feedback like merchant not no not using it talk to merchants survey merchants see what competition is offering they come back saying trust is an issue and hence they want instant settlement but instant settlement enabling it for all merchants would just shoo away the larger merchants which contribute big chunk of volumes so how do you then the product thinking goes in saying what kind of feature do and then we go to the bank that this is what is coming from the ground this is what's happening this is what we can do um we pretty much do our features it's not like 
we're not a services company that bank tells us something and then we build accordingly. It's the mostly the other way around. We are a product company. We come out with features because the idea for us is to stay relevant. We need to be on our toes all the time, understand why some things are happening and why some things are not happening and how can you make them happen. And that's what the bank wants. And as they... Sorry, go ahead. This sounds, uh, this sounds a lot like the, the DNA of Visa, right? <laughs> Visa also has a very similar DNA of uh, continuously creating uh, hooks so that banks issue more Visa, like oh, contactless payment or like tap and pay and stuff like that. Uh, I, I think Visa does more innovation than MasterCard, right? Uh, I mean, no, I, your answer could be biased. No, 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 no. no. Uh, it should be biased. It will not be biased because uh, I think... <laughs> Uh, both organizations are innovating at the same pace uh, and why leave out uh, NPCI they've been yeah the pace of innovation at NPCI is is just mind-boggling absolutely absolutely yeah yeah okay um give me an example of uh, other fintechs integrating through you like you said, now you you reside on top of the bank's uh, stack, and other fintechs now would use you to integrate with the bank stack. Okay, uh, so let me give you an example, a uh, couple of examples. And uh, uh, is this monetized when another fintech is integrating through ab- you? Absolutely you? yes, absolutely yes. Okay, so, so that's another revenue source for you. There is, for example, uh, in the grocery and the pharmacy space. There is uh, these wholesalers who use their capital to buy from the manufacturer and then they extend credit to the retailer. So depending on the segment in grocery, the credit period is 14 days, zero day credit, zero percent credit and pharmacy, it could be up to 90 days. For that period, the distributor's capital is stuck. There are some very uh, interesting fintechs that are working in the space that are leveraging dealer subvention, which means they pay the dealer or distributor upfront and recover from the retailer and the distributor subvents that or covers up, covers them up for the cost of capital. Uh, yeah, bill discounting. Kind of bill discounting, yes. Uh, bill discounting or BNPL, depending on who's paying, right? Like, or, or, it's it's both. It's, it's, it's both. Uh, because right. for the retailer, it's BNPL. Uh, for right. the for the distributor, it's a bill discounting. So there are a couple of interesting fintechs uh, solving for this, where they pay the distributor upfront. And as I said, for the SME, uh, their their bandwidth is limited. Can I offer the same offering on 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 our app? So we are integrating with the startup called ePay Later. They already do this. Then uh, there is a very interesting startup working on. Um, discovery for SMEs. Today, you get into any place, let's say, let's say you go to Indore and you go to a place and you, you want to see like, what are the Kachori places? These guys are working on their distribu- the, the discoverability for the, can there be something that tells you, yes, this is what, uh, these are the Kachori places and you scan you see their QR, you scan the QR and you get to see everything that this guy has to offer, including their menu, prices, their history, whatever they want to display. Sort of a website. For a small merchant, 
I mean, kind of creating these guys. This company called Vyaparify. That's cre- that's kind of creating a LinkedIn for SMEs, helping wow. their discoverability. Now we are an SME platform, so we are in the process of integrating with them. And there are similarly there, there are quite a few more. Wherever we see value um, for for the SME, we start zeroing in or doubling down. So. Uh- this is not uh, fintech connecting with bank right like what say a falcon or an m2p is doing uh, this is more of fintech connecting and getting access to smes through your app so incidentally yeah epay later is a fintech vyaparify is not a fintech they are tech sme tech right for lack of right, better right, word right right right. As, a, right 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 as far as financial services are concerned we are already integrating into bank and bank has all the products it's the other tech needs that the bank is not able to fulfill is what we are uh, leveraging these uh, other uh, tech partners for uh, so this is essentially like a market access absolutely, uh, absolutely. partnership for them like, like they get access to they get access to market uh, the the sme gets everything on the same platform and for the bank the stickiness is increasing right yeah and the bank would share with you the revenue that you get so there is a revenue share that happens across partners so for for banking products uh, we take the bank shares revenue bank pays us a fee for other products where the bank is not involved where then the revenue share is between us and the tech partners but a bank could say that these are my customers you're selling to the only reason why you have access to these customers is because i sold the app to them i made them download the app bank has the right but uh, are they interested at this point in time no they are more interested okay. in uh, enhancing the stickiness for their platform okay 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 i, I think uh, you must be a really great uh, deal maker you you've got phenomenal deals in place with banks i need to put you in front of my investors i need you to repeat <laughs> that in front of my investors because they, they, they no, I, I mean seriously the, the the deals you structured with uh, banks are incredible <laughs> okay maybe i'm telling you the the the, the rosy part of it just kidding yeah, yeah could be. <laughs> tell me about your own fundraise journey what have you learned along the way uh, given the organizations we have worked in the past they were all profitable organizations so when we started the business it was not to create scale not to just solve a problem for us it was solving a problem where we could get scale or solving a problem at scale but monetization or the path to profitability was an equivalent if not the big bigger bigger kpi so we started with a particular problem but we pivoted given that merchants were not willing to pay we pivoted we created a product market fit uh, and initially we started we we bootstrap we were fortunate enough to over a period of time get some uh, very good angel investors these are industry leaders and the biggies in their own space they backed us up till we got the product market fit and uh, 2020 when the bank journey started 
the angel investors would have helped you in that one year when you were directly selling to merchants yes 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 okay. and they and were how much did you dilute for this uh, angel round i think we diluted around 8% that point in time uh, okay and then 2020 is um, 2020 is when uh, we started the bank journey and that's when our first institutional investor came in which was pravega Pravega Ventures was the first institutional investor. They invested into us. The bank thing started and uh, HDFC started as a client over a period of time. HDFC also realized, and that's another validation. Um, they, they wanted to come on our cap table. They just didn't want to stay as a client. They came on our cap table somewhere in uh, October 21. Um, wow, that's an amazing vote of confidence. I would agree. Uh, we've been lucky in that regard. And then um, January 2022 is we when we did... No, sorry, January 23 is when we closed our last round, which was led by PayPal Ventures. Uh, with participation from BII, British International Investments, which is a UK sovereign fund. And interestingly, HDFC Bank enhanced its stake and Pravega held on to its stake. So, and I mean, we started uh, the fundraise journey somewhere last year. We were very clear that even for the fundraise, we wanted, we did not want just money because we were already profitable at that point in time. Uh, we wanted partners who could give us more than capital and that's why if you look at the names that we paypal one of the best names and when it comes to payments globally they have understanding across markets bii uh, uk sovereign fund they are shareholders into some of the largest banks in Africa, which is a target market for us. And obviously then you have our existing backers, HDFC Bank, our largest client in Pravega. So yeah, that's, that's where we are. And how much have you raised total till date? $22 million in total. Okay. Of okay. which into the company has been about $18 million. Yeah, $4 million because the last round... Angels got an exit. Yeah, there was a... a, a requirement that we could uh, uh, there was this thing on our head that we couldn't uh, go beyond a particular amount as far as uh, primary uh, was uh, there so we had no option but to get some of the angels to dilute why what was this requirement like so uh, there was this thing came from the investor that uh, the max primary we could raise was because they wanted a certain stake in the company. They did not want okay. their stake. And, and there were like uh, more capital being offered than we could take. So we didn't have an option but to beg and plead our, uh, some of our angels to dilute partially. Nobody, wanted, incidentally and fortunately for us, that's a good thing. Nobody wanted to uh, dilute. But yeah, as I said, they've been okay. real angels. We could convince some. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, what are some of the lessons you've learned around fundraise? Did you, uh, in the early days, have to hear a lot of no's before you heard a yes? Or your pedigree of visa and the connections you built over the years made it easier, that journey? And, you know, what's advice you can share with founders? And some of your own war stories around fundraise? <laughs> fundraise is an activity I just don't like. 
seriously <laughs> but uh, it's it's interesting because you get to learn new things especially in our case we've gone through this and vcs typical vcs come with a mindset like they want to back players who want to disrupt incumbents whereas we were taking a very contrarian approach saying can we strengthen incumbents um and that's a model that took time for vcs to i mean they, they just could and one thing with vcs uh, is they have a very small span of attention so you have like the first 3 5 minutes where they would try to box you somewhere and i don't blame them for it because they meet 10 10 people like me every day there is no way they could go deep into things so the first instinct is to box you somewhere are you a square are you a stripe are you a dead are you a pisor and the moment there is a no 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 across these five nine out of 10 would, would switch off and you're gone so the <laughs> okay so the first big challenge is how do you get to increase their attention span from 5 minutes to 10 minutes because that much time you need to tell the real story and as founders some of the mistakes we make is we get super passionate about our platform our pitch without realizing that the person on the other side has a limited span you need to first get into their mind to increase broaden that span and then tell the story we get so passionate on the first few things creating that context by the time you come to the real pitch you lo- you've lost the vc and we went through man we've done our rounds we met a lot of vcs as i said our struggle was very different because they couldn't relate like there they would talk about disruption and disruption is a very abused word and for them disruption was uh disrupting the incumbents and we were empowering so much so that the there was a vc who said we like your uh, anti fintech uh, thesis and yeah. my, my 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 response was how anti they said no fintechs are trying to disrupt incumbents and you are trying as then i had to correct them i said that particular vc i said if you go by the real definition of fintech fintech is nothing but using technology to enhance the efficiency or delivery of an existing financial service provider if you use that definition technically i am the fintech and everybody else is anti fintech <laughs> the person on the other side kind of yeah. nodded but yeah so my learning is good to be passionate but you have to understand you have to be a better storyteller how did you increase that 3 uh, minute attention span to 10 minute attention oh, span uh, we did a lot of iterations as i said like we used to initially get passionate and by the time we would come to the crux of it we would have lost the vc that happened we tried changing the story multiple times because as we had a very different problem this was a model the vcs were not used to so eventually after multiple iterations what we did was we brought the traction slide without telling the larger story with a traction slide right up front and they would see yeah. okay there is scale and there they are making money so there has to be something interesting so that helped oh, introduce the span and then they said what's the problem are you solving 
and then we were <laughs> so yeah you have to be creative and that's the, that's the thing as i said i don't blame the vcs in the nature of their job is such they meet so many they can't get into the depth so you need to get into their minds for that storytelling is the most important uh, element and you need to be creative Mm-hmm. Okay. What is this 20 million raise for? Uh, 18 million rather? Or? It is uh, enhancing. So 16 million is the primary. It's basically enhancing the product roadmap, uh, tech and geographical expansion. Okay. Because uh, you, it's a pro- platform made for India, built for the world. Now we have to look at the world. India part of the story is like beginning to pick up traction. The rest of the world story is where we need to enhance focus now. And what is your uh, global go-to market? Because see, in, in India, by virtue of being from Visa, you yeah. probably have the ability to open doors. Like you could probably go meet someone big in HDFC because yes. you would have had an existing relationship. Uh, how would you open doors outside India? So, uh, again, because we are dealing with banks and for banks, you need credibility to get in front of them. In India, you write the visa background help. Outside India, we are leveraging partners who have that credibility. For example, as I said, one of our investors, British International Investments, they are shareholders in the bank. So they are opening doors in Africa. We have a formal partnership with MasterCard for Middle East, Africa and Asia, uh, where they've seen value and they are now taking us to banks. We are also co-creating some products with uh, MasterCard for uh, largely African markets. Okay, now now I understand why you are not biased. <laughs> so <laughs> between Visa and Mastercard. And yes, I mean somebody recently asked me like, uh, you're from Visa. Why did you sign up with? Why did you go with Mastercard? And my 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 submission was, and going to Visa would have led to two big problems if. I approached Visa because they know me and they, they partnered with me. People would think because I come from Visa, that's why Visa partnered with me. I wouldn't, my value wouldn't be appreciated. But in the worst case scenario, if Visa said no, that would have been that would have been uh, a nightmare. I could I can't even fathom. Like you coming on Visa, Visa didn't support you, so we didn't even go to Visa. Mastercard liking us, signing up with us is is a very big validation because we don't come from Visa. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Got it. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, one last question to you: the, What are like you know your top learnings uh, as a founder uh, over the last uh, five, six years? You know, what are the things which you've had to change coming from like a very MNC culture into a yeah. startup culture? So MNC culture to startup culture wasn't a. a a big deal. Uh, we were used to open offices, open cultures, and excitement here is far more. But I think some of the learnings have been stay perseverant. That helps. Be passionate, but don't get obsessed about your thing. Because you may be passionate about something, but if you get obsessed and the product market fit is not there, the things won't change for you. And last is Focus on value, not on valuation. If you focus on value, valuation will come. But I've seen a lot of people, and in India, unfortunately, it's also um, valuation is strongly correlated with your image or 
how well you are doing, which is I don't align with it. As long as you are creating value, you're very clear what you want in the long term, valuation will be an outcome. And that's that's what I believed. Uh, it has helped us. Uh, how, how do you measure that you're adding value? Are there some metrics you track or like, you know, what's the way to know? How do you focus so on value? The value uh, has different connotations for different uh, people. For us, the combination of having created scale and profitability, which means banks are my primary customers are liking up, is a fun- is the value. Right, right, right. What uh, what about building an organization? Uh, you know, what what are your learnings around that? As I said, it's a simple tabul we follow, and thanks to my co-founders who who helped me with this. Uh, focus on aptitude more than at, uh, sorry attitude more than aptitude when you're building an organization. If the attitude is right. Everything can be taught. You may have a heavy hitter, but if the attitude is not right, things will go for a toss. Uh, getting the right attitude may sometimes, if the aptitude is not there, take take you longer, but will do wonders in the long run. What are the filters which tell you the attitude is there? Like. Uh, or are there is there some process through which you come to know that yes i like this guy's attitude or it's i mean there are various things when you're talking to people so somebody's showing interest in an organization are they trying to tell you what they have done and what they will deliver or are they also curious about your organization which means they're passionate they will participate in the growth story. And that's a simple, simple yardstick I rule. How prepared is somebody, somebody is applying for a role, how prepared are they? Uh, have they done some background on your organization? Or are they just saying like, I know how to build dams and I will build dams. But the problem is, building dams is not what everybody wants. You need to know where you need to build dams. Otherwise, the dam will have no value. So, that's, that's, uh, Small uh, yardstick rule, call it what you will, that, that I use, has helped me till now. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium dot in. That's ad at T-H-E-P-O-D-I-U-M dot in.